Hi, sisters. Welcome back. This week, we are going to be starting John chapter 3. In today's teaching, we will be going through verses 1 through 14. We're going to look at the story of Jesus talking to Nicodemus, one of the greatest teachers of Israel at that time. And he did all the great works and really thought that that's what would bring him salvation, where Jesus has to give him a new perspective from the Old Testament as well, that it really is faith in Christ alone through grace and not by works, lest any man would boast. And this really blows Nicodemus's mind because he thought he had been doing all the right things, but he really needed an encounter with the living God through Jesus Christ. And so I pray that this message blesses you today. And just a reminder that this is a teaching that I did teach in front of a group of people. So you might hear some background noise. You might even hear some people ask a question or have a comment. And you will probably definitely hear my English bulldog in the background panting, which is what he loved to do in every video. So I thank you for listening to this teaching and I pray it blesses you as it has so blessed me. Hi family, welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know that I have a study guide that I have written, sisters just like you, who really want to know the deeper things of God, who want to understand God's attributes like love, God is truth, God is righteous, He's just. What does it mean that He's omnipresent and omniscient? And what does that mean for you personally? When people talk about Jesus and being justified and sanctified and to be redeemed, and how can you apply it to your daily life? And so many other questions like, can we really trust the Bible? And who are we as man? Is hell real? These are great questions that we need to know the answers to as we are walking in our Christ-like faith. To love him is to know him. And Jesus said that we will be worshiping him in spirit and truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. So if you want to go deeper in your walk with God and have more understanding of the things that he has truly done for you and know more of the word for yourself, I highly recommend this study guide. I will have a link for you in the show notes on where you can get it. It is on Amazon and it's called Equipping the Saints. I hope this episode blesses you. So I'm going to tell you guys that um, there was so much studying going on with John chapter 3 these past two weeks. I cannot even express it to you. I had over 20 pages of notes. And I finally had to just like toss them aside because it was just, this book is just so deep and so wide. 
Um, we could sit here and actually literally go over the John chapter three until three in the morning. I'm not joking. Please know that we are just scratching the surface tonight. And so I highly recommend that you go and study it out even further than what we're going to give you tonight. And so, so I want to just kind of remind you guys in chapter two, because it's going to really build upon chapter three here. Remember Jesus is doing these signs and wonders and miracle. Remember in uh, 2.23 how he says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in him, his name, when they saw the signs which he did. But see, we're going to really talk about that word believe tonight. Because then it goes on to say, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus knows the heart of all men. So there's a belief where you can believe in Jesus, you can believe in his name, you can believe in a religion, you can believe in certain things, but not truly believe in the Messiah. There's a, there's a, there's a belief without a saving faith. And that's what these people had, and he knew that because he knew their hearts. They were really curious about Jesus. They liked what they saw. They liked the signs, wonders, and miracles. Who here doesn't want a complete healing tonight? Who here wouldn't want the blessings or a sign, wonder, or miracle that Jesus had to offer tonight? But do we really want the God of Israel? Do we really want the holy God of Israel? Do we really want the Jesus that says, be holy for I am holy? Right? Do we really want to lay our life down? Jesus said, you can't, unless you give up everything you own, you can't follow me. That's my disciple. My disciple gives up everything he owns. That doesn't mean we have to go and sell our house and cars, but he might ask you to. He might ask you to sell everything you own and go be in a tribe in Africa where your life is at risk every single day. Or go to China and preach the gospel. He might. Are you willing? Right? And so he knew this, and so he didn't commit himself back to them. But the reason why we want to bring this back up is because as we're going to be going through chapter 3, two things to keep in mind. He knows the heart of all men. You can't deceive Jesus. And not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, believes in the actual Jesus. Right? We know that from Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And we're going to go through that. So we're going to go through this tonight. So I'm going to do my best to build this up because I got rid of all my notes. So, Lord Jesus, please help me, Holy Spirit, speak through my lips tonight. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these, these signs that you do unless God is with him. So let's really set this up a little bit. Who is Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a great Pharisee. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a very elite man. He was the, one of the greatest teachers in Israel of that time. He would have had probably one-third to one-half of the Old Testament literally memorized. Okay, This man was on the Sanhedrin, so he would have been a part of the um, what we would consider the Supreme Court of his day and our day. This guy was the guy to go to for all things religion. It'd be like the Pope. Okay, in our in our world, you know, not our world, but in the world, people look up to the Pope and think he's like the most religious person on the planet. Kind of like that. But if, so in their religion, in, in the Judaism, he would have been that guy. Okay, he would have worked his whole life to get to that position. He would have been just a Pharisee of Pharisee. And he would have done a lot of works. And so he's this great teacher and he sees Jesus. And Jesus is like this great teacher. But he sees something very different in Jesus. Jesus is able to do something that Nicodemus could never do. And that's a sign, wonder, and miracle. Nicodemus, being as smart as he was, as 
elite as he was. People were sitting at his feet. They loved Nicodemus. He was where you went when you had a question about anything that had to do with the law or the Old Testament. But he couldn't give signs, wonders, and miracles. And so he comes to Jesus. And it says that he comes to him by night. He loves darkness. He loves the nighttime. And he wants to be hidden when he goes and sees Jesus for a couple of different reasons. Pride. He didn't want him to know. He was prideful and he, he didn't want them to know that this great teacher is going to go and ask this guy that nobody knows. But he's obviously doing something, something. And so he goes and sees him at night. And also he says, man, you must be with God. Now he doesn't say that you are God. He doesn't admit that he is God. But he definitely says there's something that you have to be walking with God. You have to have something special about you in order to operate in these signs, wonders, and miracles. So he's coming to Jesus to ask him questions about it. Verse 3, Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, or truly, truly, or amen, amen. In other words, let it be so, let it be so. This is a, this is a truth that I'm getting ready to teach you. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we're going to start really getting into the gospel of Jesus Christ here. What does one have to do to be born again? Nicodemus's mind is about to be blown, and you're going to see it. Nicodemus is not going to understand what Jesus is trying to say here. And we're really going to get into this here in a second. So when Jesus, whenever Jesus says most assuredly or truly, truly, he's saying, amen, amen, truly, truly, let it be so. This is a, this is a absolute truth. This cannot be changed or shifted. I have come down from heaven for this specific truth. This is why Jesus came so that men could be born again. And so here comes Nicodemus in verse four. He says, he says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? So Nicodemus' mind is blown here. There's a lot actually going on in this particular verse, and we're going to try to like break that down to you. You have to understand who Nicodemus is. He is a Pharisee that has worked his whole life. He's kept every law. He's kept every ritual. He's kept every ceremony. He is the elite of the elites. Also, he can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, what did Jesus just say to him? None of that matters. He's getting ready to break down his straw man. And here's Nicodemus. Are you seriously telling me right now that everything I've done since I have been born means nothing? Because he knows it's impossible to be born again. See, Nicodemus wants to earn it. Nicodemus wants to work for it. Nicodemus wants another revelation on how he can truly be born again. There's a couple things going on here. Nicodemus is a very troubled man. Nicodemus knows he's a hypocrite. Nicodemus knows that he's the Pharisee that Jesus talks to later on when he says, you are whitewashed tombs. You are dead man's bones. You guys are keeping these rituals and keeping these ceremonies, but you don't know me. You don't know God. And there's nobody in this room today that, that you would know if you're being a hypocrite. You know if you're out there preaching a the gospel to other people, telling other people what they should do. You need to do A, B, and C to get your life together. But you know within yourself that your life isn't together. And that's the Pharisees. They knew. Nicodemus knew that his heart was far from God. That he was keeping all the rules and rituals, but he, his heart was far from God. He was apostate Israel too. And so he says this, man, you're telling me that basically it's impossible for me to see the kingdom of God because I can't crawl back up into my mother's womb and become born again. And so Jesus, so they have, so they're having this conversation. So now, so his straw man's getting broke down here. His religion is getting taken down here. Everything he thought he believed in, every truth Nicodemus thought he had is getting ready to just be destroyed. So Jesus answered, most assuredly, 
He says it again. I say it to you again, truly, truly. I say to you, lest one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we're going to break this down because we're going to have to do some apologetics here. This verse, there's three different schools of thought. Two, I do, I do not believe are right. And the third one I'm going to build up for you that I do believe is right. Remember, whenever we read the Bible and we interpret the Bible, we have to know who's speaking, who are they speaking to, what's the political climate, what's the culture, and then what does the rest of the Bible have to say about it, okay? And we're going to do that in this particular verse. So most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, okay? Now, one of the thoughts people think that water here means physical birth. So a baby comes through the am amniotic fluid, which is water. So that has been taught that it means water as in childbirth. Well, most theologians don't agree with that, and here's why. A, we can find absolutely no historical evidence of any ancient writings that water was ever used in the description of a baby being born. That's just not something they were aware of. It's not something they really thought of is the water breaking in the birth. So it was never really written about. Also, why would Jesus say something so obvious like, well, you have to be a human being in order to be saved? It kind of like, that's an obvious. I mean, it's not, I mean, I can't be a dog or a reptile. I mean, it's kind of obvious that you kind of got to be a human being. So that's probably not what's being said. We don't think that that's what's being said. So then the second school of thought is, and this is what a lot, what, this is what a lot of false religion and apostate religions have been teaching is regenerational baptism. The United Church of Christ loves to use this verse to try to convince you that you have to be baptized in water in order to be saved. So do the apostolics and other religions like them. Where they believe that Jesus is saying here, you must go and be baptized in water and in the spirit, that's where you're going to get saved. Well, I don't think that that's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus for a couple reasons. One, Christian baptism didn't exist yet. It didn't exist till Acts chapter 2. Jesus died and was buried and then resurrected, which is one of the reasons why we get baptized, in order to participate in that resurrection. It's an outward, public outward, um, it's a ritual that we do. It's not our salvation, it's just something that we do publicly to say, yes, there's been a transformation in my life. I am now walking in the way or walking as a Christian. Nicodemus wouldn't have understood baptism. He wouldn't have understood, he wouldn't have cared enough about John's baptism of repentance. It just would not have been likely that Nicodemus would have really understood what Jesus was saying if he was talking about water baptism. Okay, so that's not what that means. That's not what we think that means. That's not what most theologians think that that means. But let me tell you what we do believe. We know that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He had about one-third to a half of the Old Testament completely memorized. So when Jesus would have used the words water and spirit, it would have taken Nicodemus right back to some, some things in the Old Testament. See, the regeneration, regenerative work of the Holy Spirit has always been. It was in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's always been God who saves man. It's always been God who chooses man. It's always been God. When you say born again, that literally means born from above or born from God. It's a work of God that only God can do in a man. Only God can make you born again. You can't buy it. You can't do a ritual for it. You can't. There's nothing you can do for it. 
It's truly a free gift from God. And it always has been. And so I'm going to take you back to Ezekiel. Um, so I think it's Ezekiel 35. Let me go real quick here. 36, or, or 36. I actually had it. Oh, 36. Yeah, I actually have it. Okay. So this is what we believe or what most theologians believe. Because of who Jesus was talking to, he's going to talk to you on your level. He's going to t- he knows Nicodemus, and he knows that when he says these words, that it's automatically going to take him back. It's the same thing as when Jesus was on the cross, and he said, it is finished. He knew that the Jews, looking upon his crucifixion, that it would take them back to Psalm 22, when, he would, when it was the Messianic psalm of him dying on the cross, saying, it is finished. It was the Messianic psalm. Okay, same concept. It's going to take them back to this. Where, and I want you guys to notice as we're going to read this, Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in 25. Notice the I wills. Now this is God talking. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you the heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I give your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. It also would have taken him to 30, chapter 37 where he says, Therefore prophesy and say to, or no, I'm sorry, verse 3. And he says to the son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord, O God, you know. And again, he says to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The only God can make a dead man's bones come alive. Only God can take a sinner born of Adam and make him alive. Only God can give you a stone or give you a new heart of flesh. Only God can pour out his spirit on you. Only God can take you and rip everything out of you and give you a transformed life. Only God can give you new wineskins so that he can pour out his new wine in you. It's all about God. Because when God does it, then who gets the glory? God gets the glory. If I have my hand in it, then who gets the glory? Me and God. Right? And man doesn't like this. Nicodemus didn't like this. Because Nicodemus wants to have a hand. He worked very hard for the getting into the kingdom of heaven. And now he's being told that there's nothing he can do. That it literally has to come from above. It has to be God who makes you born again. He also would have been reminded of Psalm 51. When David, he, he was writing this psalm, he was so anguished over all of his sin. Remember, David murdered his best friend just so he could have his wife. And commit adultery. I mean, David had some wicked things that he did. He plotted it out. It was premeditated murder of his best friend. And what's he do? Man, he's, he knows. He's like, I, I don't know. And you, when you go and you can do this later, read Psalm 51. And, G, and where David is just crying out to God and saying, only you can cleanse me. Only you can give me a new heart. Only you can renew me and put a new spirit in me. See, David understood the regenerated work of God. David understood that only God can save his people. And so when, God, so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here, and he's bringing him back to you must be born of water and spirit, is talking about that regenerated work. Only God can cleanse you, Nicodemus. Only God can make you born again, Nicodemus. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. It's not for sale, Catholic Church. It's not for sale. It's not about rites and rituals, Mormons. Jesus is God, Jehovah Witnesses. 
And so that's what he's saying here, and he knew that would have brought him back. Then he goes on to say, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Flesh produces more flesh. That should take you back to Genesis when we were just talking about the giants before everybody got here. And flesh just produced more flesh and evil just produced more evil to the point that they were just continually thinking about evil all the days where Jesus, God finally just sent the flood and had to wipe them all out. Then later on, you're going to see where Jesus looks at the Pharisees and calls them, literally calls them sons of hell. And he says, and all you guys are doing is producing more sons of hell. Because that's what flesh does. It produces more flesh. False teachers produce more false teachers. False religions produce more false religions. False converts produce more false converts. That's what it does. And so he's saying flesh is a flesh, but here's the deal. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you must be born of the spirit. God's Holy Spirit must regenerate you. It must make you born again. Man, this is blowing Nicodemus's mind. This is not what he had in mind. Man, Messiah was supposed to come back, kill all their enemies, destroy every nation, prop up the Jewish nation, make them the elite of the elite, being the head of their enemies. And we're going to get into that a little bit further too. You're going to see where Nicodemus is really upset that Jesus isn't going to do that too. Not this time around. Verse 7, don't marvel. In other words, Nicodemus is marveled right now. His mind is blown. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. This is in the Old Testament, Nicodemus. This has always been my way. Why are you marveling? It's because Nicodemus left his first love. He bought into a, an apostate Jewish religion that is what has now become apostate in this time. When Jesus come back, Ju Judaism had become apostate. They were all about their rites and their rituals, and they were all about, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they were, not, they were saying that they were pointing people to God, but just as I just said, they were actually pointing people to the, a false God, that God was actually themselves, and they were creating more sons of hell, just as they are. And you'll see that as we go through John. You can also read it in the other um, Gospels as well. So do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And he's going to back this up. Does the wind blow where it, wa where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes? So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We can't control the wind. The wind does what it wants. We can't see it. We can feel it, but we can't see it. We can't control it. I can't suddenly make a windstorm in the middle of my front yard. I can't decide that I want wind today, and so I'm just going to command the wind to do what I want it to do. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You can't command being born again. It's not a work of you. It's not a work of man. It comes from above. Your works are filthy rags. Your works are filthy rags. And we'll get into that. So, so verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? How can this be? I've worked my whole life. I've kept every letter of the law. I've even kept the extra 600 that we added to the law. I've done everything. I'm, I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. I sit on the Sanhedrin. How can this be, Jesus? And Jesus answered and said to him, Actually, how can it be? I just, just ad-libbed there. Are you the teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things? He's asking me, here, he's saying to Jesus, How can this be? And Jesus is going, How is it you're the head of Israel right now? And you don't get this. I'm the same God 
yesterday, today, and forever. I haven't changed. You are apostate. You've changed. You didn't obey my word. You sold out to a religion and not to me. 11. Most assuredly, here's Jesus again. Truly, truly, amen, amen. Let it be so. Here's an absolute truth. I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. This is, this is, he's talking to all people. You guys aren't receiving my witness. I'm telling you the truth. I've come from heaven to give you this new revelation to tell you how to be born again, and you're not listening. You're not receiving what I'm saying here. You're blinded. Your hearts are darkened. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Nicodemus, if you can't even understand basic, a basic analogy of being born again, did you decide, Bree, I have a question for you. When you were coming out of your mother's womb, were you able to stop it? Did you have any choice in being born at all? Emily, did you have any choice of being born? Josh, anybody in this room have a choice of being born? No. We were just born, weren't we? We were just born. The only person that could have decided otherwise is a doctor. Our mom could have aborted us, right? But we had no choice in being born in the flesh. We had no choice. We were born. And then we also had no choice. We were born with Adam's sin as well. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And just as you were born, that's an earthly thing. It's something we all understand. We all understand earthly birth. And that we have no choice. And yet Nicodemus... You're not getting it. Salvation comes from above. Salvation comes from above and you're not getting it. So how am I going to give, so Jesus says, how am I going to give you the heavenly things? Man, if you can't even understand this basic thing, how are you going to understand my atonement at the cross? How are you going to understand my resurrection? How are you going to understand justification? How are you going to understand faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone? You can't even understand basic earthly things. I can't give you anything more because you're not going to get it. You're blinded. You're darkened. You want your religion. And I'm not here for that. I'm here to abolish your religion. I'm here to take down that straw man. And we're going to get into how he does that <clears throat> or how we know he's going to do that. And we also know when I talk about those early things, have you ever tried to talk to somebody about the Bi an unbeliever about the Bible? The things that they try to teach you in our Bible? It's foolishness to those who are perishing. This word is foolishness to those who are perishing. Our salvation is foolishness to those who are perishing. They're in the darkness. But man, they'll try, an atheist will try to teach you your word, won't he? Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, it, it doesn't it just make your mind go, what in the world? Who am I even, do you feel like, you, you hear that Twilight songs? Do, 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 do. Like you feel like you're in the Twilight Zone? And that's what Jesus is saying here. Man, the natural man does not understand the things of the spiritual man. They, they can't grasp it. And that's what he's saying here. <clears throat> he says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. He's saying, I've literally come from heaven to give you this gospel, to tell you about how to be born again, so that you can be saved, Nicodemus, so that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. I've come down from heaven. I'm the only one to have ever come from heaven to give this truth because no one else could. God had to leave heaven, come down here, leave the glory, come here, put on man, just so we could have this truth of how to be born again. 
Verse 15. No, I'm sorry, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Again, he's talking to Nicodemus. This would have took him right back to Numbers chapter 21 when the Israelites, uh, once again, like they always did, were disobeying God. And so God had to, like, you know, discipline their butts. So he set a plague of snakes, is what he did. And these snakes would bite them. And if they got bit by the snake, they were poisonous and they would die. Israelites were a mess. They were terrified. Snakes were everywhere. People were dying. So, of course, because what do we do? Okay, now I'm sorry. Okay, we're all dying. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, God, God, will forgive us. We're sorry, right? And we can even see that in our own lives. Like, we're really sorry when we get caught, right? So they're sorry. So then God tells Moses, he says, listen, I want you to put a, get up a brazen serpent. I want you to lift it up on the pole. And anybody who comes to, the, to that and looks up at that brazen serpent and believes in that brazen serpent, they will, I will heal them from the poison and they shall not die. So here's Jesus saying, Nicodemus, you remember that? I'm like that brazen serpent. All of mankind is filtered with sin from Adam, poison, dead in their sins and trespasses. All of mankind was affected by Adam's sin and we're dead in our sins and trespasses already. The Bible says we're already dead in our sins and trespasses. Yeah, we're taking breath. But if you don't know Jesus Christ tonight, if you're not truly saved, you're dead in your sins and trespasses. You're a zombie walking around only doing what your sin nature wants you to do. You're following after the sin nature that you have, loving your sin, going after it. We've talked about this. So that's what Jesus is saying here. You are poisoned by sin, Nicodemus, just as they were in Israel. And here's the thing. I'm going to be lifted up. Now, this has a twofold thing here. Lifted up is the cross. He was lifted up on the cross, took the full wrath of God for our sin, right? Okay. But then he's also saying, but I'm lifted up because after the resurrection, he's lifted up on high. And he's saying, just like in Israel, men are going to come to me. And if you just look upon me, if you look upon Jesus and you say, I believe, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you took my sins. We too will be healed from the poison and won't die an everlasting death, but will be an everlasting life. And that's what he's saying here. You'll be with me in the kingdom and in paradise forever. I have a question. Doesn't it say like in scripture, like only through faith alone you are saved? Yeah, it's faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Like it's written. Yes, it's it's written there. Not by works, not by works lest any man should boast. That's Romans. Because then it'll be like about yourself, like, oh, didn't I do this, A, B, and C? Yeah, and Paul brings that home in Romans and in Galatians. But here, what he's just really, he's just trying to bring home to Nicodemus again, reminding Nicodemus, remember, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He really knows and understands the Old Testament. So he's reminding him of that time when God saved the Israelites. And he's saying, and if you look upon me, now listen, the Israelite could have gone to the pole, could have physically looked up, but not believed. And if they didn't believe, they wouldn't have gotten the healing. You had to believe in the work that God said, that you look up and believe that if you believe, you'll be saved. You'll, you'll be freed from that poison and snake. The same concept. We must look up and believe. 
We have to believe in who Jesus is. We have to believe that he is the Messiah. He is the one that was prophesied about throughout the Old Testament. This is him. And remember before we talked about the Gospel of John, that's why he wrote this Gospel. Because he, it's an evangelistic Gospel that people would believe in the Messiah. And that the Messiah is God, incarnate. That we would understand his deity, that we'd understand why he came, we'd understand the Gospel. And so Jesus is bringing this home. And I'll tell you what, Nicodemus is a mess. So we're going to stop there at verse 15. And I really hope that this message uh, edified you and helped you to really see that we must look up to Jesus, not just look upon him, not just for all he can do for us, but truly believe in who he is for salvation. That to be born again must come from above. God grants us salvation. And it's a free gift to anyone who will receive it. And so I pray that this message is blessing you. If you want to learn more about who God is, we talk about some of the things in this particular teaching of this week's teaching and next week when we go um, start with verse 15. We talk about things like the hypostatic union, Jesus being fully God and fully man. We talk about being justified. You heard words like justification and imputation. You know, if you want to understand deeper what these what these mean for you and for me in our personal salvation and our personal walk with God, I have a 15-week study guide called Equipping the Saints that you can get on Amazon, and I will have a link in the show notes for you. It will take you through the scriptures as you learn about who God is. What does it mean that God is love, that God is just, that God is truth? What does it mean that when we become born again, we're now justified? What is sanctification? What is reconciliation? These things are so important to our basic Christian understanding. And I promise you, as you go through this 15-week study guide and you delve into the scripture, learning more about God, more about Jesus, more about the Holy Spirit, more about who you are in him, it will deepen your worship and it will deepen your walk with the Lord, just as it did me. And so I encourage you to get this 15-week study guide Go at your own pace. It's all scripture. It's not man's opinion, which is so beautiful. And you will learn more about what it means to be a born again believer. So Lord, I thank you for my sisters who continually listen to this podcast that are gleaning from your word, learning the word with me verse by verse line by line, precept upon precept. It really is your word that transforms our lives. And so, Lord, I ask that you just are continuing the transformation work in their lives, Lord. We understand that it is a truly slow cooker relationship. It's not a microwave faith. We're not going to just hurry up and become fully understanding of everything or fully transformed right away. It's as we spend intentional, deliberate time with you in your word, where you will sanctify us from glory to glory, and we will continue to grow and be transformed. Our mind will continue to be renewed. 
The things that once plagued us will be will fall off, and be, we will become free in mind, body, and soul over time. And I thank you, Lord, that you really do bring freedom to the believer. And I pray freedom to each and every one of my sisters, those that are struggling and battling with anxiety or depression or grief or loss. Maybe they're struggling in their relationships with their spouses or their children. Maybe their finances are just really taking a hit right now. God, I just thank you, Lord, that you are the healer of our life. I pray for healing in every area of their lives, Father God, that you just bless them and keep them and continue to shine your face upon them. Until next time, in Jesus' name, amen. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review that would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.